Well, we are a people who, that are devoted to the practice of prayer. We, we are a people that pray because Jesus instructs us to be prayer people. And we pray because we know that God hears and he answers. We've just spent this whole week praying through the week. And we pray to see change. We pray to see movement. We pray to see transformation. And, and one of my favorite God-man encounters in the Bible is found in the book of Isaiah. The, the, the nation is in crisis. The king has just died. And, and the prophet is praying for his people. And, and God shows up. And, and there's a, a pattern change that takes place first in his heart, but throughout the nation eventually. Isaiah reports that he has, during this time of prayer, a revelation of God. And, and the revelation is this. He's overwhelmed by how big, how powerful God is. And, and he becomes of, aware of how distant, distant he himself is from God and how far his people have wandered. And... and there's, there's this transformation that happens in his heart, ha happens in his mind. And then God says, who will go with this transformation to my people? Who, who's going to take what I've given to you, Isaiah? Who's going to take it to the rest of the nation? And without hesitation, Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. You, you see, prayer isn't just reciting our need, and, nor is it a download of heaven's answers. It is the mingling of both faith and action. And that's an important thing. That, it's the interaction between us and our Heavenly Father, and then we carry out His will. We carry out His purpose. We advance His plan on the earth as a result of having prayed. It's almost... Um, the, uh, the almost always requires us to be ready for battle. It almost always means that we're, we will meet some kind of resistance, but that we be ready to overcome, we be ready to move ahead, we be, that we would be ready to go through resistance. There, there are all sorts of battles that w go on when we pray and when we respond to the direction that comes as a result of our prayers. There are several theaters of warfare when it comes to the battles that we fight in prayer. The first battle comes in our own heads. Uh, I, I'm sure that I'm not the only person who experiences this, but when I'm getting ready to pray, when I come in to get serious and face-to-face -face with God, when I launch into prayer, my brain sort of, of revolts and starts to make lists. Lists of things I should be doing and things, people that I should be, be praying or calling. And, and it starts to make me question about my, my ability, my su suitability to be a person that's praying. Bill, you should be over here rather than praying. My brain starts to remind me how tired I am. That I should probably just go have a nap and come back and do this later. There's a revolt in my head. There, there's an all-out battle to keep us from praying because it's understood that a people that pray are a people that have power to enact change and advance the purposes of God. So whatever it takes to mess with their head, do it. Keep them from praying. And so there's, there's the theater of the mind. But Paul says that we don't battle like the rest of the world battles. We, we don't use conventional weaponry. We, we use the mighty weapons of God. 
to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy the false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey God. And so that's how we win the war in our head. And, and we battle with our hearts. In Scripture, the heart is quite often the, the, the picture that is depicted as, as the place where our decisions are made. Proverbs tells us to guard who you let into your heart, what you allow into your hearts, because that will determine the access to the nerve center of where you make decisions, where you decide what is right and what is wrong. It's, it's in the heart that the fool has said, there's no God. He's made that decision in his heart. It, it's the heart that can be polluted, can be contaminated by the root of bitterness and unforgiveness. It's in the heart that can be shaken with fear. Jesus says to his followers in John chapter 14, don't let your heart be paralyzed or troubled or lost in fear. We, we can often be overwhelmed by the circumstances that we're praying through. We, we, we can stand back and we can see how big the need is and we can see how small our ability and how small our, our own capabilities are and, and how hard the hearts of the people are that we're praying for or how impossible it seems to find an answer to, to a complex, volatile situation that's in front of us. Like you, I woke up last Wednesday morning and was so saddened to hear of the plane crash that had occurred in Iran that took so much life, so many Canadian lives. And the more information that came out, the more overwhelming the situation seemed to be. However, the angel said to Mary, and I believe says to each and every one of us, in this moment of overwhelming and impossible circumstance, with, without, with God, nothing is impossible. We can believe, we can, we can approach with hearts that are strong. And, and finally, we battle a counter-terrorism that, that occurs in the unseen realm. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities in, unseen, in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There, there's a force that resists and fights against us every time we raise our voice in prayer, every time we respond to the direction that comes to us in prayer. But it's John that reminds us, you dear children are from God and you have overcome them because the one that's in you is greater than the one that is in the world. There's no need to be intimidated, no need to back away because greater is he that is in us. I, I list those battles so that we are aware that when we pray, we will run into resistance. We will experience difficulty, we will fight, and we must be battle ready. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to Mark chapter 1. We are reading through the Bible together and we're in the book of Mark, although many of you are already to the next books that we're reading together, 1st and 2nd Corinthians in, in uh, preparation for the Holy Spirit conference. But I'm wanting you to go to Mark chapter 1 because Mark is the, the action gospel. It, it's less teaching, less preaching, and lots more doing. 
And, and in the first chapter, we're told about John the Baptist. We're told about the baptism and the temptation of Jesus and the choosing of the first disciples. And then during the teaching of Jesus in the synagogue, there comes a man who is owned and operated by the devil. And he disrupts the, the service. He disrupts the teaching of Jesus. And Jesus stands up and he shuts the evil attempt down immediately and frees the man from his captors. And the crowd sits there stunned, absolutely stunned by what they see and experience. We have never seen this kind of authority. We have never seen this kind of power that's been demonstrated here this morning. Evil, even the evil spirits obey his voice. And there's just a lot of, of, of whispering back and forth. They're, they're absolutely stunned. And so Jesus finishes his message and, and he gets up. And at the conclusion, he starts to move with his disciples to the home of Andrew and uh, Simon. And uh, we read that the account, uh, that account in our mind kicks into gear and says, that's not anything that I want to be involved in. I don't want to be involved in working with evil spirits. I, I'm not sure that I'm up to taking on evil spirits. Pastor Bill, wh wh what would I ever do if I had an encounter like that? And we start looking for ways and means to escape that kind of battle, to move, to, move that assignment to someone else other than to you or to me. But then we go to verse 29. After Jesus left the synagogue, Mark chapter 1, after Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever, and they told Jesus about it right away. In comparison to what has just gone on at the temple, at the synagogue, it's, it's absolutely, it seems so simple and, and easy in comparison to dealing with evil spirits. He, he's been welcomed home by two of his followers, and, and, and he's told that the mother-in-law is sick in bed. It, it doesn't say that it's, it, it's a warning, as in, hey, listen, you want to avoid this part of the house. My mother-in-law, she has a bug, it's a high fever, and, and, and she might be contagious. There, there's no sense of that. Or, or if they're hoping that Jesus might do something to assist this dear lady who's been reduced to a place of such weakness that all she can do is lay in bed. I love the picture because it's, it's one that's so simple. It's, it's so simple and yet evocative. Whatever we encounter in the people that come across our path... The heart of Jesus is both interested, invested, and involved. We have, we've just left this important situation where demons have been expelled, and now we're in a home where there's just a, a fever that's going on. And, and they don't seem to be on the same level of concern or involvement at all. However, it says, verse 31, So Jesus went to the mother-in-law's bedside, and he took her by the hand. And he helped her up, helped her sit up. And as he did that, the fever left, strength returned, and she got up and she started to prepare a meal for those who had come home with her son-in-law. There has to be an awareness. There, there has to be this sense that we are to carry with us everywhere that when we encounter need, whether it's big or small, 
life-threatening or just a pesky inconvenience. We carry the authority of Jesus with us. We, we carry on us the ability to make a difference. We carry a compassion that demands we respond and that we are brought to that situation by the plan and the purpose of God to make a difference. Whether it's a demon-possessed man or whether it's a mother-in-law with a low-grade fever. We carry that authority. The story and the story before this story and the story before it of the man who is set free is, is just such a lovely picture because it, it's one that's so simple, so beautiful. Listen to the words of Jesus to you and to me this morning from John chapter 12 or 14. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my Father and you can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I, I want you to underline that verse in your Bible because he's talking to you, he's talking to me. When you run into any need, God has authorized you to to address that need, to be battle ready, to be ready to be a distributor of the power of God, the peace of God, the life of God, wherever you go. I, I, I love this first chapter of, of Mark because it says so much about our world. When, when there's a need, when there are needs that need to be met, when people are, are helped, word leaks out. The, the, the word sounds like this, to all you that are frustrated, to every person who is discouraged, there's hope. I, I have heard of a place down the street where people are being helped. Maybe you should go there. Maybe they can help you. That's, that's what happens. And so Mark chapter 1, verse 32, that evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. And the whole town gathered at the door to watch. And so Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out demons. But because the demons knew who he, who he was, he did not allow them to speak. You see, in the darkness of need, the circumstance looks much different than they do by the light of hope. You get to the C train and, and you head downtown and, uh, during rush hour and you see all sorts of people that are, are sitting there, standing there, making their way to their next stop. And, and you're not connected to them in any way. There doesn't seem to be any need that ties your life to their life. But there doesn't seem to be any common ground or reason for getting involved in each other's life. But... When hope comes, all of a sudden they leave the mask. They leave the attitude that I have my life together and I don't need your help or anyone else's help behind. They leave all of that behind. And all of a sudden the sick and the demon-possessed people are lined up outside the door waiting for hope to come to them. Waiting for hope to come to them. Not only that... But these words in verse 33 are so, so important. Hope attracted an entire town that most likely was cynical and doubtful about hope yesterday. 
but today they've come to see hope in action. I've been praying this phrase in this room every day this week over Marlboro, over Strathmore. Let the entire community show up to see what hope looks like. And let that encounter be marked by Jesus displaying, displaying his love and authority through you. Through you. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. I've been praying that you will battle through the arguments of the mind and the fear of the heart and the overwhelming evidence of the need and the hatred and the violence of the unseen realm and that you will believe and you will carry the hope and the authority of Jesus to the people that live around you, that work around you, because you can. That's what the Bible says. You can. You are appointed. You are anointed to do that very thing. That is your inheritance. That's in your spiritual DNA. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but has given you love and power and a sound mind to carry out his work. Jesus' words to you this morning, Jesus' words to me this morning are this. These miraculous signs will accompany all those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink any poisonous thing, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Let me just ask you, do you know any sick people? Well, you don't live in the same world I do. I know lots of sick people. I know tons of sick people, and my spiritual inheritance, my spiritual authority is that I can lay hands on them, pray the prayer of faith, and see God come with an answer. See God come with an answer. Are you willing? Are you ready to battle through and to carry on that authority and that hope? This week, I, I want you to read through this next passage. If you have a pen and paper, just take out your pen and, and write down this, this address. I, I want you to memorize the verse. I want you to think and meditate on this portion of Scripture throughout the week. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 12. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10 to 12. I, I want you to write it out somewhere, put it where you're reminded of it every day because I want you to be thinking and meditating on it. Read selfishly. And by that, I, I, don't, I, I mean don't read it and think, God, what a good word. Make it real to Pastor Bill's heart today, okay? I want you to read it and say, this is for me. This is for my new year. This is for my decade. Read it and pray it for your own heart. Let it change you. Let it change the way you think. Let it change the way that you see the world that you live in. Let it speak to you about the people that are in your world. Ephesians chapter 6. Alina, can you come to the keyboards, please? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. God, I need you to teach me how to be strong in you.
Let, let there come a brand new revelation to me of what your mighty power surging through me looks like. Holy Spirit, teach me to put on God's armor so that I can stand strong, stand confidently against every strategy, every plot, every plan that the devil throws my way. Help me to, to win the battle of my mind, of my heart. Help me not to be afraid of either circumstance or enemy. Help me to stand strong in the mighty power of the Lord. God, make me battle ready. What shall we say, Paul says to the Romans, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Since, we did, since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, don't we also give, don't, doesn't, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares to accuse, who dares to accuse us, God's people, when God has chosen us himself? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with God. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading our case before God. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecution or hunger, if we're hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? The scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus, who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. You've been anointed. You've been appointed by God to advance his kingdom to move forward, to bring hope to communities that you touch, communities that you influence. Next Sunday in our, in our uh, present Sunday, we're going to talk about that. We're going to call out gifts. We're going to call out callings on people's lives and believe that it's a next step in just bringing hope and distributing hope. Will you stand with me? So, Father, we're standing here in your house today, and we're wanting everything that you have for us. I, I thank you that there's not one person that's here by accident this morning. I thank you that we're here by divine appointment, and that, Father, you've brought us to the kingdom of God for such a time as this, that we're here with a purpose. We're here in the divine plan of God. So, Father, right now, I'm praying that you would release in each heart and each life an absolute desperate hunger for your presence. A hunger that goes beyond anything that we've ever known or ever experienced before. A, 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 dis, 
a dissatisfaction with what is the norm in our lives. Father, as we, as we travel around our communities and through our world, we see, we run into people that are, are sick. We run into people that are troubled. We run into people that have lost hope. And, and our job is to bring Jesus, the, the light of the world, the hope of the world to them. And so I'm praying right now that there would be such a hunger in each and every heart here this morning. And in our church family and in Pastor Mondo's church today, that God, we would just get serious about being filled with your presence and filled with your power. Today, we pray over the, the folks in our church and the folks in Pastor Mondo's church that are sick. We pray for Pastor Eric's father today, and we're asking God that you who have begun a good work will carry it on through to its completion. We're asking that every cell that's cancerous will curl up and die and that health and life will surge through there. We're praying for Wanda Pitts today, God, as she goes in for surgery on Tuesday. Let the confidence of God be there. Let the peace of God be there. Let the healing touch of God be there. Let every report be true and, and honest that God has done an amazing work in her. Bless her, we pray today. Father, there are others in our congregation that are struggling with health and sickness. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we release the river of healing that you have promised to bless the nations with. Come to this nation. Come to this city. Come to this house and release those things. Father, we're praying for the peace of God to rule over the hearts and the minds of everyone in this house so that they would be confident we we put the enemy on notice you have no rights you have no place in this house or on this people God has not given them the spirit of fear, but he has given them this overcoming love that has torn down the wall of division and allowed them to be the representation of the hope of the world. He's given us the, the, the power, the authority to say, you must move out. You must be evicted so that life can come to this house. Life can come to this person. And so, Father, we pray that this morning. He's not only given us love and power and authority, but he's given us a sound mind so that we're not, we're not shoved around by, by life and its circumstances, but we stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and we can do all things that are in front of us because of our, our love and our prayer in Jesus Christ. Well, heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus.